All right. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to episode five yes. of the Startup Mode podcast. Um, so make sure you guys follow us on social media at The Launchpad on Twitter. Find us on Facebook, The Launchpad, and find us on Instagram at The Launchpad UM. Um, so we have a special guest with us this week. Super excited. Super excited to have her on talking with us. Um, we had, this is our first remote guest, so um, we had them over the phone with us, so um, bear with us when it comes to the uh, the quality of this audio as we um, get to work on, you know, figuring out our recording systems for our remote interviews, but um, enjoy the uh, episode and let's jump right in. So I have with us Annika Horn, who uh, I met when I was doing an internship at Impact Makers in Richmond, Virginia. Um, so at Impact Makers, uh, Annika was working as a beekeeper, um, which is basically a community builder for uh, bee corps and benefit corporations um, in the area, among other different things that she was doing um, in the Richmond region. So uh, since then, um, Annika has continued to continue her work um, around the world, encouraging people to use business um, for social good. And we are excited to have her with us today. So thank you for joining us, Annika. Thank you, Annika. Absolutely. What a wonderful introduction. I think that's the best introduction I've ever had. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, we are very excited to have you. We so um, if you wouldn't mind, just go a little bit um, into, um, you know, your background in business and entrepreneurship and kind of walk us through where you are today um, and kind of give us a nice intro of uh, who Annika is. Absolutely. So um when people ask me what I do, I usually throw three terms at them. Number one, I'm an ecosystem builder for social change. Number two, an advisor to social entrepreneurs. And number three, a storyteller. And um, as you know, it's always hard to know where to start when people ask, oh, how did you end up here? Because not only is the job title really confusing, um, but also my journey here has been anything but linear. So I like to break it up into about three stages. Um, the first one really was um, my schooling. So I was born and raised in East Germany and uh, took a gap year straight out of high school, just traveled the world, did some volunteering in Thailand and decided that I wanted to use my career to make a difference for people who were not as well off as I had been. And I'd grown up in, very, in a very humble community and setting, but seeing um, children and monks in Thailand and trying to teach them English gave me a very different perspective for the skills and just the, the great environment that I come up in. So I knew that I wanted to somehow use my career to make a difference for these people. So I went back home and got a bachelor's degree in European studies, which is, I like to describe as a degree in just common sense and just understanding how the world works. So we did anything from European history to law to the arts. We did... Um, at my first courses in economics and management. So we really touched on a lot of different areas that inform the world as it works today, a lot of languages. So I got a really good taste for all that is out there in which you could have a career and felt myself very, very drawn to international development, working with nonprofits, but also had this business inkling. So I knew that I wanted to spend some time digging deeper into those topics, which I had the chance to do when I took a semester abroad at Sciences uh, Po Bordeaux, which is the political science institute in France, and was really able to dive deep into the topics of um, nonprofits, supranational organizations, international development, so on and so forth. So I finished my undergrad and took another year to get work experience, because now that I knew that I wanted to somehow save the world professionally, I figured, well, 
I got to go and get some experience. And I did everything that I thought you did when you wanted to save the world, which was um, work in international development for the German government. And um, I worked for a nonprofit that was a spin-off from Doctors Without Borders in Paris. And it felt like every time I dove into one of those sectors, I realized that the impact we were having was in no relation to all the money we were spending and all the work we were putting in. And so I found myself a little disillusioned by all these sectors that were supposed to change the world and, and not really making an impact until I came across this term of corporate social responsibility and thinking, oh, if we can align social and environmental issues with business objectives, that seems to be a fantastic way forward. Right. So once I had that experience, I went on to get a Master's of Science in Sustainability, did that for two years, and could really hone in on the business side of, of saving the world, if you will. So what's the business case for, for making a difference in the world? Not just the profits, but really giving back to the communities that you're working in and being responsible in the way that you've understood. So following my Master's of Science, I uh, worked for an accelerator for social entrepreneurs based out of Hamburg, and that was sort of the first phase of my career. From there, I moved to Richmond, Virginia, and as you said in my intro, I worked with C Corps. I was in a very fortunate situation to be paid to be a community builder for everybody who was interested in responsible business. At the same time, I was able to run a number of programs for very early stage social entrepreneurs and sort of validate their business ideas to see if they can be viable businesses. And thirdly, I worked with an accelerator for high growth startups, which sort of gave me exposure to these high growth tech startups that would be raising funds and really move the needle as entrepreneurs. Um, and then lastly, I just returned from Toronto, Canada, where I lived the last year and a half and launched Social Ventures. And I'm now in Chapel Hill, North Carolina for the time being and uh, doing my work from here. And that brings me to being the ecosystem builder, the advisor to social entrepreneurs and the storyteller today. Very cool. Well, welcome back to the to the U.S. We're, we're always happy to have you Thank here. you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so can you walk us through a little bit about like what social enterprises are um, and how like your normal business person kind of gets involved in this side of uh, this side of business? Absolutely. Um, I like to explain social entrepreneurs as um, entrepreneurs who want to use business as a force for good. There is a very strict definition after Muhammad Yunus that has I want to say six or seven guiding principles of what makes a social enterprise that very strict. I view social enterprise more as a spectrum of how you can run a business, and that really strongly depends on the location that you're in, the geography, and the type of business you're in. I think running a socially responsible business means something very different whether you're an insurance or you are a shoeware company. So I think we need some, I don't want to say flexibility, but a wider understanding of what it means to be a social entrepreneur. And to me, that is someone who recognizes an issue they want to address, be it social or environmental. And instead of starting a nonprofit, instead of waiting on the government to solve the issue, they decide to start a business, to use business as a mechanism to address that problem in the long term. That's a social entrepreneur to me. Very cool. I mean, is it possible to still make money off of these, you know, social enterprises, though, and actually, you know, become a profitable company while still being able to to give back and be a socially responsible business? Because I know, you know, a lot of people are going into business with the idea that, um, you know, they still want to be able to, um, you know, generate some kind of income for themselves and for um, the people that are working with them. I know it's, a, you know, a big thing for a lot of people. 
Absolutely. And like you say, there's that myth out there that if you do good while running a business, you're going to go broke. But I think if you're running a business and it's not making a profit, then you're just not very good at running a business. But if you if you think of companies such as Ben and Jerry's and Patagonia, they're cheerleaders for the B Corp movement. They're extremely aware of their impact and they still make a profit. I think where people get confused is looking at the very short term of running a business versus the long-term effects of treating your employees well, paying a fair living wage, making sure they have access to benefits, saving the environment, spurs a lot of innovation. So it's more the time horizon that you got to look at. And I actually think that entrepreneurs who consider their impact on the environment and their communities will be more successful in the long run. So they will see more steady growth over time, as opposed to hockey stick growth at the beginning by cutting costs and cutting corners. And then actually crashing because their business will not spend it. So can you shed light a little bit more on what is a B Corp and why would businesses use this method given? Absolutely. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. The first thing I want to put out there, and, and Colin mentioned this because we talked about this quite a bit back in the day, is there are certified B Corps and benefit corporations. They can't, a company can be both, but they're very different distinctions. A benefit corporation is the legal status of a company. So as opposed to being an LLC or a, a, a C corporation, they are a benefit corporation. Those are the legal um, incorporation papers. A certified B Corp is a company that has voluntarily gone through the B Corp certification. And that is possible for any for-profit business in the world, no matter where they are. Um, and as of today, we have 3,235 B Corps in seven countries around the world. Oh, wow. And it is a tool that is free and available for any business. So anyone who's listening to this podcast now can go over to bcorporation.net and start their assessment. And they look at five different areas of your business, which is governance, workers, community, environment, and customers, and see how they score according to those assessment areas. And then you ask, why would a company certify? I think there's very different reasons for why companies go ahead and do it. For some companies, it is a decision in the leadership area that they want to make a statement that they support this movement and really want to be a leader in the industry when it comes to socially and environmentally responsible business practices. I would say it is a fantastic tool for any business to go really, really deep into your company and see Maybe even the dark corners you don't necessarily want to see. It functions excellent as an early warning system to see what's happening in your business, what do operations look like, where do you have inefficiencies, where is something lurking that might come and bite you after. So if nothing else, it is a fantastic management tool. And if you certify because you align with the values, which I still think you should, your business and you as the companies and the workers there become part of this bigger movement and they get together once a year. There are local meetups with like-minded business owners. And I can tell you that if you're one of the first leaders in this field in, in your geography, it, it is really valuable to connect with other like-minded business leaders who share your values. Yeah, yeah we'll definitely include that link at the bottom of this podcast because that's great. a great resource. So is there like a certain stage business that should be looking to do this kind of certification? Um, you know, are there are we looking at like later down the road when you're generating significant amounts of revenue or is this something somebody should start as they're starting their business from the beginning? 
one about this question. On the one hand, I think it is never too early to bake these values into your company. And to be honest, it's probably easier to do it in the beginning as you are setting up your system, as you try to decide how are you going to hire? What are you going to offer employees? What kind of light bulbs are you going to use? How do you think about recycling? Like setting that up in the beginning is so much easier than down the road. The same case goes for the data collection. If from the beginning you track your use of electricity and um, your water usage and all these things, it's so much easier to do from the beginning than trying to do it later on. It's not just the implementation cost, but bringing your whole team on board. So I would say if you already know that down the road you want to be known for your social and environmental performance, do it as early as you can. As I said, it's the free tool that you can use. The only the point in time that you pay is when you actually submit your paperwork to be certified by the certifying body, which is a nonprofit called Lab. That's when you want to think about putting your money towards it, which I think if you're serious about it, it's probably a worthwhile investment. With that being said, in order to report on certain things, their annual averages, it really helps if you've been in business for at least a year. So you have a sense for where that data lies on an average year for you. At the same time, I know that starting a company takes so much that any additional work, I would hold back on a little bit unless or until you are at least um, having some revenue coming in and you know you can relax and sort of start building on those right. topics. I would say once you've been in business for a year and things are going well, then I will start thinking about that. But using their assessment tools is something that you can start from the beginning right. and maybe can help you set these goals that can keep you on track until that first year mark down the road. That's awesome. Even if you're just trying to get inspiration and say, what could that look like? I mean, again, if you're in the service industry, it's very different than if you run a brick and mortar shop or you have a tech startup. So it really differs, but it gives you a great framework to think about where you even have impact because the truth is you'll probably have an impact in areas that would never occur to you until you go through the assessment and that can be incredibly eye-opening. So you could go on there as early as you want just to get a first feel for where you fall on that scale. Excellent. Very cool. Well, most of our students are, um, you know, still in college trying to figure out what, what's what's next, what are they going to get into. And then a lot of our young alumni are still in that same phase as well, too, hit, being hit with real life. Um, so what are some ways that entrepreneurs can do at a young age and get involved into these social ventures? I think whether they're entrepreneurs or not entrepreneurs, college is such an amazing time to go and get work experience. Go have fun. I mean, if you want to go get a job or an internship anyway, you can get it with one of the big companies or you could actually go out of your way and see which B Corps are in your area, which, by the way, there is a directory on bcorporation.net, so you can filter by state and oh, wow. city. But why wouldn't you get your work experience in a company that already aligns with the values that you're really passionate about? So that's something that, when I went to school, wasn't really an option. But I think... Um, college students and, and recent alumni have this great opportunity to learn from these entrepreneurs and sort of get exposed to that way of running a business really early on, which whether or not you want to be an entrepreneur later on, I think the sense of apprenticeship is a fantastic way to get involved in this kind of work and entrepreneurship route. 
Yeah, and I think that kind of addresses the next question that we had for you too, which is, you know, how non-entrepreneurs want to, are able to get involved in like these social businesses and social enterprises. So, you know, besides, um, you know, purchasing obviously from these companies that are, you know, a certified B Corp or, you know, at least in the, uh, the benefit realm for socially responsible businesses and, you know, working for these companies, is there any other way that um, people might be able to get involved in this kind of, uh, this side of business? Absolutely. I think um, almost any career you're considering for yourself, there's going to be an aspect of social or environmental impact that is absolutely worth exploring. Anything from farming to finding out who the organic farmers are to um, logistics, supply chain management to even people who are thinking about going into investment, there is a growing, robust market for impact investing that you can really dip your toes in. And that's what I like about this whole approach of ecosystem building is we put the founders, the purpose-driven founders, the social entrepreneurs at the heart and center of what we do. But it takes so many people who support these founders in succeeding that I truly believe there is a role for everybody, be it as a consumer, an investor, a mentor, an advisor, someone who runs a co-working space, someone who does, um, who advocates for the needs of founders. So I think whatever it is you're doing, be very spend a lot of time thinking about the values that you want your career to stand for and you as a person. And I guarantee you, you will find a role in the entrepreneurship realm that allows you to test that out and find out for yourself what that could look like in a business context. Very cool. So um, I know you mentioned at the kind of the top of the episode, um, you had mentioned social ventures and socialventures.com. Can you guys, or can you kind of walk us through um, what you guys do, um, kind of what the the aspect is um, for what you're working on now? Absolutely. My pleasure. Um, so Social Ventures came about a little over a year ago where I found myself coming back to the question of if, if social entrepreneurs are the ones who make the difference and who are the people who support them in thriving? So what does that support area look like? Because I truly believe that there's no single organization that can provide everything a social entrepreneur needs from idea to scale to raising investment. So we know there are different institutions in place that support this entrepreneur. And who are these ecosystem builders, as we call them? Now, I have never gotten excited about a business that doesn't do good in a way. So I always knew I wanted to focus on social entrepreneurs and how can we better support them in succeeding. Social Ventures is, right now you can think of it as a think tank where I do a lot of research around what are these ecosystem builders? What do they need to thrive? What are they struggling with? How can we make life easier for them? And we're on a mission to equip these ecosystem builders for social change with the insights, the resources, and the community to excel in their careers, create as much impact as possible, while also taking care of themselves. Excellent. And cool. that, that kind of brings us back to the previous question. I think if you go to Social Ventures, we have anything on there from journalists to investors to entrepreneurs to people who run incubators and accelerators for social entrepreneurs. So there's a wide array of people who aren't entrepreneurs themselves and yet support purpose-driven founders in succeeding. Very cool. So it really shows that you can get involved <laughs> no yeah. matter no matter what you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, so what exactly do you do or what are the best ways um, for you to continue to challenge yourself as an entrepreneur? Oh, there's so much I want to say about this. (laughs) (laughs) I would say, most importantly, never stop talking to your customers. Okay. And that doesn't mean listen to every single thing that every single customer tells you. That's not true. 
But if you really are, I see entrepreneurs as people who put themselves in the service of their customers and it's constant feedback. Whatever product or service you bring out there, check back with your customers. Is it still what they want? How can you improve it? I think the lean startup has sort of broken down that wall mm-hmm. of we as entrepreneurs try to present them the magic product and it will forever be great. No, I think it is a constant iteration on how to make it better. Right. And as an entrepreneur, your main job is to make sure you keep your finger on the pulse of what your customers need. And apart from that, I think just as a human being, stay humble, be a good person and uh, check in with your values. I think especially if you really have a good product or service and your company takes off, check back in with your values. Is this still the company you want to be running? So um, I think once you have investors and other people who feel like they have a say about what your company is, it's super important that you know what you're doing this for Mm -hmm. and which direction you want to take it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my next question kind of has to do with things that are going on um, right now um, around us. So what are some of like the coolest trends or some some of your favorite trends um, that you've noticed going on um, in the, you know, startup space that um, people might want to take advantage of or kind of get involved in? Absolutely. Um, I write a newsletter in which I try to put these things out there and the things I constantly send out <laughs> are around three topics. Number one, I'm excited to see more and more revenue-based investing. So instead of diluting the equity of a startup really early on that is tied to the revenue that the company makes, which mm-hmm. is, I think is just fairer to startups and startup founders. Secondly, um, I'm excited that we're starting to talk more about the role of ecosystem builders, quite selfishly because I am one. And I think we don't recognize the people who help founders thrive enough. And we're launching a campaign called Unsung Heroes of Ecosystem Building on Friday. So we're trying to shed more light on who are these people and how do they make sure that their ecosystems and their communities thrive so that entrepreneurs are well off. And then thirdly, um, a movement, if you haven't heard about it, you must check it out. It's fantastic. It's called Zebras Unite. It started in Portland, Oregon, and it is a it is a movement um, that goes against the grain of everything that we've so far learned about startups, public growth, and venture capitalists. So it's against this idea of the unicorn. Instead, we have zebras who come in all colors and shapes and forms. And our startups that don't just want to make profit and, and exit quickly, but actually create value for their community. So everyone who subscribes to the Zebras Unite movement really is more aligned with these values of purpose and creating value for everybody, being inclusive. And um, they're just incredibly inspiring. So if you haven't heard of Zebras Unite yet, go check it out. Awesome. Really awesome. Cool. Do you know if they have a website that people can check out or... Google Zebras Unite, yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm. So Google they have Zebras a global Unite. community by now. Awesome. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so, you know, what has entrepreneurship taught you um, as an individual, you know, coming from the background that you've had, um, you know, you've had a unique path to um, getting involved in the entrepreneurship system, but what has entrepreneurship really um, taught you? Um, a lot of things. I would say the, my main takeaway so far has been that we are not short of good ideas. Like if, if you have a great idea and you think you're going to be the next Mark Zuckerberg, more power to you. What we're really falling short of are people who will, who have the courage to go and implement, okay. who have the courage to test things out, 
mm-hmm. to fail, to iterate, and to constantly adapt. So the more I find myself in the situation of being someone who's building community, I find it's not so much about being so innovative and having an idea that nobody else has had. Let's forget about it. Your idea, someone else has had your idea. The difference that it's not in the world yet is that they didn't go ahead and try it out. So I really find that entrepreneurship is a test of endurance. How long can you hang in there and continue to iterate and get feedback and constantly adapt until you eventually end up with a product or service that people are willing to pay for? And I think that's a great message too, because I know we talk a lot to our clients um, here about, you know, you have to stick in it for the, for the long run. You're not necessarily going to get, you know, a profitable business, you know, in your first year or even, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in your first couple of years. But um, as long as you're continuing to make those changes that are necessary to grow and as long as you're committed to the success of your business and um, your overall overall idea as a whole, you know, as long as you keep putting in that commitment, then um, you'll reach somewhere as you continue to grow. Definitely. Definitely. So what are some of the books that you go to you read in the startup realm i'm going to limit myself to the top four (laughs) there has never been such a world of good stuff out there um eric reads the lean startup if you haven't read it don't start a business don't (laughs) everything you learn in that book applies to your business applies to how you approach life i really think it is such a great way of thinking about the world that Everybody needs to read it. Um, not too far from that is a book called Lean Impact by mm-hmm. Anne Mei Chang, who applied the Lean Startup to the UN and mm-hmm. a lot of the sustainable development goals. So it's a really interesting intersection of social impact and the Lean Startup, which I love. And she has a ton of case studies and then she really speaks from experience. So I thought that's a fantastic resource. Um, Startup Communities by Brett Feld is a book that talks a lot about What's a startup community? Who are the different actors? And why do some of these communities thrive and create Silicon Valley and others don't? Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a great one-on-one for everyone who's interested in the system building. So go read that. And then one that I've gotten so excited about recently is called The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek, which is, again, just a different way of thinking about the world and especially about business because he basically talks about There is no winning in business. Um, It is an infinite game of always trying to create value and and sell things, but not just for the sake of selling them, but actually building lasting companies that are a legacy. And so this mindset is a different one of how you can approach business and really create value, which I thought was fantastic. I um, put him on a podcast, then I bought the audio book, and then I bought the real book, and then I would have dropped books about it. Like, I, I approached it from every single way and thought it was just really, really smart. If, whether you're into business or not, this is just a fantastic book about how you can approach life. So I recommend that. Very cool. When's the Annika Horn book going to drop? We're all waiting for it. Come on now. <laughs> the first excerpts are all on socialventures.com in the blog section. Excellent. Um, there you go. Keep it up, keep an eye out for it there. Um, so what are some of your favorite productivity tools to use, whether you know it's business related or whether um, it's something you just use in your daily life? I know something, especially for students and young adults, you know, kind of organizing yourself and becoming um, better when it comes to productivity is a big uh, thing for us. So what is something that you use to kind of oh, address that? It's huge. And, and I will say I'm work in progress. But um, I use something called the, the Pomodoro timer, which is something you can just download into your browser. 
it encourages you to do deep thinking work. So imagine you're you're writing a paper, you're reading a book, you're doing something that really requires deep focus. Every time you're distracted because someone walks in or your phone buzzes, you get a notification. It might even just be a quick glance for two or three seconds. But research has shown that you have residual attention on that distraction mm. and it takes you 25 minutes to get back oh, wow. to your full attention on the task that you were working on. It is amazing. And on average, we never go more than 11 minutes without something interrupting our thoughts or our work. So I really recommend putting everything else away, putting your phone away, turning off your notifications and hitting that Pomodoro timer, which is really just a timer for 20 minutes. And force yourself to not do anything else in those 20 minutes, but really read, write, create whatever it is you're doing. And when the 20 minutes are over, you may go check your phone, make a cup of tea, go to the bathroom, whatever it is, and really build and break. But this has been a game changer, especially on weeks when I'm really busy and I think I can't do it. I know that all I need to do is really just focus and shut out all of my distractions. Right. And I get so much done. It is amazing. Okay. Excellent. Very awesome. cool. What's your go-to website when yeah. you're bored? Um, social media, for sure. <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. Um, but one thing I've recently been really fond of is this um, interview series on YouTube called The Vanity Fair Lie Detector Test, mm. where uh, they put the Big Bird from Sesame Street on a lie detector. They have a ton <laughs> of comedians and actors, and it is the most wholesome funniest thing you've ever seen so especially when I got days when I'm just in front of my machine and I work hours and hours and I just need something else mm-hmm. that's what I go to and it really refreshes me so <laughs> I recommend it for study breaks very cool um so what are some so we got like our two more questions for you that um, we didn't give you mm-hmm. ahead of time but we're just going to kind of throw at you if you come up with an answer that's perfect if not um we'll skip them and keep moving on but this is kind of some last minute thoughts that we had um coming in um so what are some ideal ingredients of a thriving um entrepreneurial ecosystem um pretty straightforward i think you need a you need a number of people we know there are just key stakeholders that really help um be it i mean the entrepreneurs then people and institutions that support entrepreneurs Mm. anything from banks to co-working spaces to incubators to the chamber of commerce None of these are any good if you don't have the culture of trust and collaboration. So those are the three things, those the entrepreneurs, two. the support organizations, and for all of those to share a culture of we trust each other and we want to collaborate instead of these are my founders or this is my space. People need to come together with a genuine vision for their city or for their area. Very cool. And then I think Sam has our one last question for you. So I always love to, you know, give the real on, you know, starting a venture. I know it can be very challenging and just even your career path in general. What are some of your failures? What are the things that you kind of struggled with or some of the challenges you faced throughout this process? Um, Marie Folio says um, the most important words that you hear are the ones you say to yourself. In other words, the most limiting beliefs about yourself probably come from 
inside you. And that's definitely something I've struggled with is undervaluing my work, not being brave enough to reach out to people, not being brave enough to try things for fear of failure. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm constantly trying to get over. So I will put something out there and then just hold my breath until someone comes back and says, no, this is great, fantastic, we love it. Um, that's something that I found and continue to find incredibly hard. Um, and other than that, failures, I really, this sounds cheesy, but I think I've rephrased every failure as an opportunity to learn. Yeah. So everything that I've missed up just made me smarter, more aware, more creative going forward. Um, so I can't really think of anything. That's awesome. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yeah. And we, you know, we really appreciate having you on with us today yes, and um, all you, of your insight you. and stuff like that. But I wanted to give you an opportunity. Um, where can people follow you on social media? Um, where can we check out more about you, what, whether it's on your website <laughs> or anything like that? Give us kind of those plugs for you. Is your opportunity to do that? Absolutely. So um, on Twitter, you can find me at Annika Horn. On Instagram, it's Social Venturer and my company Social Venturer. So I know it's hard on spelling, but it, it makes sense once you figure it out. <laughs> um, and then I have I have two websites, AnnikaHorn.com and SocialVenturers.com. And for those of you who are on Medium, I'm on Medium as Social Venturer as well. So anyone who wants to read more about the stuff that I write and my views and experiences, they're probably best there. Excellent. And then I always like to ask if people have, um, you know, questions for you, maybe about um, benefit corporations or B Corps, you know, kind of social entrepreneurship. Are you fine with people reaching out to you via these uh, these methods that you kind of given us to access you today to ask you these kind of questions? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Always happy to help if I can. Awesome. Exciting. So thank you so much to our guest this week, Annika Horn. Um, We really enjoyed uh, having her on, um, on our podcast this week. And, you know, we're really excited to continue to bring you guys new guests uh, as we move forward. We've got some exciting people lined up to come and talk to you guys on a quite a variety of topics. So um, just keep your eye out um, or keep your ear out, I guess, since it's a podcast and, uh, you know, get ready for these, uh, these next guests coming up soon. Yes. So, and everything she mentioned will be in our description box, box below. So look out for the links and the different resources that she gave everyone, because we want to make sure that we keep that and you guys have access to that. Exactly. Um, so just a reminder again, follow us at the Launchpad on Twitter, find us on Facebook, the Launchpad, and find us at the Launchpad UM on Instagram. Um, when it comes to the podcasting, um, we are on all of your favorite platforms, but we really need you guys to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Just take five seconds, go do it right now. Um, yeah, it's, you, all you got to do is scroll down and hit the five star button there. Um, and this will allow us to continue to grow um, our podcast and our audience as we move forward. Uh, and we really need your help with that. Um, second, secondly, also make sure you guys subscribe. Um, this will keep you up to date on all of our episodes moving forward. Um, keep your ear to the ground for our next episode releasing soon. We'll see you guys later. Deuces. <laughs>